0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Wow, that would be my prayer for every single person here. Imagine how different the coming week would be if the peace of Christ actually was the determining factor in all of our lives. You know, that song points to a wonderful and, and uh, promise that Jesus gave And it's an eternal truth that I want to point you to. Take a look at the video screens. Let me read to you out of John chapter 14. This is what Jesus said. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift. What's the rest of it say? The world cannot give. Yeah. I hope that's one of the reasons that you came to church this morning. So that you came to seek the peace of Christ in your life. And uh, the truth is, most of us, when we come seeking after God, it's because things aren't always that peaceful. In fact, oftentimes it's when things are in greatest tumult in our lives. And uh, so it's my prayer that when you leave today, that you will leave with a greater sense of God's peace and God's joy in your life. My name is Ron, and it's my privilege to speak to you out of God's Word for... The next several minutes, I want to invite you along on that journey. If you're here for the first time, let me say a couple things to just sort of bring you up to speed. On the inside of your program, you will find uh, a folded sheet of fill in the blank notes. You will see most of us in the audience uh, filling in the blanks as we go along. That's because we come to church to learn. And we're going to speak about a subject today, the subject of weariness. And right away, you're going, I got that one down. Okay? Well, no, 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 we're going to talk about how to live over and above weariness and not succumb to it. And if you're here quite often, you know that, I, that, that uh, I will share with you from time to time that sometimes when I'm speaking on a subject, I get really tested the prior week on that subject. Well, this week was no exception. Um, yeah, weariness was a part of virtually every day of my life this week, and... Um, So when I speak to you this morning, I'm going to be speaking to you out of experience. I'm going to be speaking to you about a path that God has called me to walk, uh, even in this past week. And uh, so as we go along on that journey... Uh, I pray that God speaks to your heart and your soul. Let's go straight to our focus scripture this morning. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. This is the last in a series of sermons based out of this passage, and it takes us to the great amphitheater of life and the race of life is going on down on the track. And here it is. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And who is he? The champion who initiates and perfects or completes our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Now, in that text, the author points us to two um, very large problems in the race of life. One is weights and the other is sins. And the weights are the things that we tend to collect in life just from the general experiences that we all have. And for instance, the weight of today that we're going to talk about is the weight of weariness. There's no one who's ever lived that hasn't encountered that weight and picked it up somewhere along the line. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. And the weights, as the author correctly points out, slow us down. And as you might guess, when you're running a race... Every pound of weight that you carry slows you down, makes the, makes the journey far more difficult, and if you carry it long enough, it will limit your progress. And the thing about the weights that we carry in life is they usually tend to get bigger the longer we carry them. That's how they work, okay? So what does the author say we should do? Let's figure out a way to get rid of them, to release them, to strip them off, to let go of them. And then he talks about sins. And he says the sins actually trip us up in the race of life. They don't just slow us down, they make us fall down. And and that creates tremendous hurt in our life. Because you know what the sins are? The sins are the destructive choices that you and I make in order to try to deal with these weights or not deal with them. And so we're we're going to talk about the weight of weariness this morning. We're going to talk about the three specific sins that weariness tends to open us up to that become destructive in our life. And we won't spend a lot of time on that because I want to talk to you about the flip side, which is the good side, and that is how to release the weight of weariness and and how to walk uh, with the peace of Christ in our hearts. So, let's talk for just a minute about the weight of weariness. If you are a parent to a newborn you live in perpetual weariness. Am I right? Yeah. Don't, yeah, I know. (laughs) Everybody who's about ready to give birth is going, ah, don't say that. But that is true, okay? If if you're a college student, and I say midterms and finals, you say, don't say that, right? (laughs) I know you live with weariness. If you have started a business and you're working in a startup business, weariness is your continual companion. If you work in the trades, and the boss calls and says, hey, we got to work overtime this weekend, you're going to live with weariness. I, I don't care who you are, weariness in some form comes into our lives, and if we're not careful, it can become Uh, our constant companion because of something we talked about a couple of weeks ago and that's that little thing we called busyness. All the other things that we invite into our lives that impact our schedule and our pressure. So, we all got it. That's how weariness works. It's common to the human experience. And so, as we've learned with all the other weights in in this life, we have two choices. And so we're going to go back to our path illustration. And if we take the upper road, that's the road of release. That's the one the author says we should... If we take the lower road and we decide, you know something, I'm just going to deal with it. You ever had a friend that says, that's the way it is, just deal with it? We've all heard that before. Well, we have two choices in this life because all of us are going to experience weariness here. And the question is, which way do we go? So we'll put a question mark here. We'll put weariness here. So what's the first problem that weariness brings into our lives besides, you know, fatigue and tiredness and all that sort of stuff? Well, the first temptation that it opens us to is this one. And that is distraction. You know what I call this? Finish this statement for me, would you please? The grass is always greener on the other side. You know the easiest way to deal with weariness is just change course. Right? Yeah. And the problem with changing courses is we become like a rabbit in life. We're going this way. We're going that way. We're chasing this thing. We're chasing that thing. And it just doesn't seem to work very well. Why? Because we get distracted. Now distraction brings A very, very serious deal. Take a look at the screen. I want to teach you this about distraction. Distraction entices us to trade what is ultimately important for what is presently enjoyable. Think about that for a minute. What is ultimately important compared to what is presently enjoyable Let me ask you something. Is there any weariness in parenting children? Yes or no? You sure? There's great weariness in parenting children. So you know what happens? A parent thinks... I should sit down and connect with my children. I should sit down and, 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 and help them with their homework. I should sit down and talk with them about their attitude. I should sit down and just bond with them. I should sit down and encourage them. I should sit down and find out what's happening in their life. But man, does that take effort and energy. Golfing does not. And so we have a country filled with parents who have hours and hours and hours and hours of time devoted to all kinds of hobbies. I pick on golf because everybody knows I golf, and so you know, I'm not picking on anybody here. Okay? But that's the deal. Parenting, golf. Guess what? It's a no brainer. Yeah. Jump in the skin of a, sc- of a college student. Finals are coming. Study pizza right <laughs> It's a no-brainer. One makes me feel weary the other oh man, I'm out there with my my with my friends. I'm out there with the gang. We're having a great time, you know I'll always have finals. We have all kinds of excuses, don't we? Yeah, and and friends, you can do that with everything that goes on in your life. And and so what happens? I want to read this again. Distraction entices us to trade what? What is ultimately important for what is presently enjoyable. And you know the problem? It is a no-brainer. That's the problem. We put our brain on the shelf when we made that choice. And we made a brainless choice not a good one. What what does Jesus say to us? He says, listen, friends, what do you benefit if you gain what? The whole world. Is that what's ultimately important? No. It's what's presently enjoyable. If you gain the whole world, but what? And is that what's ultimately important? Yeah, that's it. Okay, let's move on to the second thing. So what is the second thing that that weariness opens us up to. It's too long a word to write there. We're going to write discouragement. Yeah. The word discouragement literally means. Dis means without and courage. It means to take the courage out of us. We've all been discouraged. We all know what that feels like. We feel like we don't have the heart or the internal strength or the courage to carry on. And so there we are. We're faced with something in life that's important. It's crucial. It needs to be done. It should be a high priority But somehow in our lives, we just don't have the courage to do it. I'm reminded of a statement that John Madden made one day as he was broadcasting an NFL game. And it was it's amazing that you could watch the NFL and learn a lesson about life that would stick with you for a long time, especially from John Madden, the guy who talks about that was a slobber knocker hit. Yeah, I know. You know what he said? Listen, fatigue makes cowards of us all might want to write that down in your notes. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. At the beginning of the game, the running back is willing to lower his head and smack that linebacker and hopefully win that challenge. But whether he wins it or loses it, at the beginning of the game, he's lowering his head and he's hitting the linebacker that's in the hole. But if that running back gets tired and he gets hit enough times in that game hard, is he lowering his head in the fourth quarter? No, he's absorbing the head. Why? Because fatigue makes cowards of us all. Now, yeah. take a look at what God said through the leader Joshua. He said to the people, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is is with you wherever you go. Would you read that last sentence with me, please? Ready? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now read, look up above. Let me read this to you. Discouragement robs us of what? The awareness of God's presence. When we get discouraged. We're looking at the size of the problem, not the size of God, Correct. Yeah, and and so we become unaware of God's presence. So Joshua wanted the people to know you're going to need courage to go into this land and do what God's going to ask you to do, but you will never get it done unless you are aware of God's presence. And can I say to you in your life, you'll never get it done, whatever it is, you'll never get it done unless you are aware of God's presence. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Let's take a look at the third thing. And this is probably... Uh, something you would have guessed on your own, and that is, this road eventually ends in defeat. Every worthy endeavor of your life, everything that you set out to do, start a company, be a mom or a dad, get your degree, get a new job, lose weight. I don't care what it is. Every worthy endeavor of your life is going to require perseverance. Am I right about that? They all do. Because sooner or later, you encounter rough water. Now, we have an enemy, Satan, who comes against us. And oftentimes, we don't even recognize the form in which he's coming. And sometimes, he gets into our own hearts and he begins to speak to us through our own self-talk. Sometimes it's, it's, it, he speaks through the language of a well-intentioned but misinformed friend who's absolutely sure they're doing us a favor and they're not really because they're speaking what they think to be true, but in the end it doesn't turn out to be that way. Sometimes it just is through sickness or weariness or chronic pain or whatever else. But every worthy endeavor that you, that you undertake in life, it should have a big sign on it. Warning, perseverance required. Because that's the truth about life. There is that struggle. Now, what's the problem with defeat? The problem with defeat is it causes us to needlessly abandon worthy causes. There's a lot of people in our country... That January the 1st said, this is the year I'm going to lose weight and get in shape. And we are in the beginning of March, and they have long forgotten their diet or their exercise routine, right? Because somewhere along the line, they encountered something that required great effort and great discipline and great perseverance, and it just got abandoned what was it? Was it an unworthy cause? No, the sad truth is, some of those people, some of those people will succumb to a heart attack this year. It was a worthy cause. They didn't realize how worthy it would have been, but that's the truth. And that's the problem with defeat. It causes us to abandon worthy causes. So notice what the Bible says: Do not. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if what? If we don't give up. Yeah. So now, those are the ways that, that weariness can can just take its toll in our lives. And before I get on the flip side of this and, and begin to walk the upward path that leads to freedom and victory and traveling light in life, I wanted us to take a moment or two just for personal inventory. In... And I want to ask three questions. And the first question has to do with it has to do with distraction. As you look in your life, is there some area is there some area of your life that you are dealing with via distraction? There's this thing that you know you should be doing, but you're golfing or you're doing something else instead, and you keep putting it off. And, and, and you've got reasons for doing these other things, but in your own heart, you know you have taken that that should be a high priority and you've put it as a lower priority. Second question has to do with with being discouraged. Is there some area of your life that you just know I'm not sensing God's presence or power in that area? And I just need to be honest about that and, and speak to Him about that. Begin to deal with that in my life. Otherwise, if there's an area of my life that I don't sense God's presence and power in, it's, if I'm not discouraged already, will I soon be? Yeah, that's the only possible result of that. And then thirdly, is there some worthy cause I'm about to give up on or is there some worthy cause I've already abandoned that I need to reach back and take hold of and, and, and persevere in that because it actually represents the purpose of God in my life. I'll give you a few minutes just to reflect. There's a space in your notes in in your notes for you to write a word or two and then I want to encourage you whatever you wrote down process later in this week so that uh, you can begin to live in victory over that. There are three things on the positive side that that the author points us to and the first is the encouragement of Christ. That's the central part of this passage. And uh, I've kind of reduced it and boiled it down to a couple of things. But the, the first thing the author points us to is Christ. Take a look. We do this. What? We, we run with endurance this race. We do this by keeping our eyes on whom? On Jesus. Think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people. Then what? You won't become weary and give up. So the first thing I want you to be aware of is the encouragement of Christ. You know, the truth is, the truth is, the greatest strength that's available to you and me. Take a look at this principle. The greatest strength, source of strength available to you and me is drawing near to Christ. How often? Each day. Friends, there's no way I could overemphasize that. I want to read you something, and then I want to make a few comments about it. This was written by Dr. James Kennedy in his book, Spiritual Renewal. Men stagger across burning desert sands. They die, and their bones bleach in the blazing sun, while nearby palm trees grow and flourish. But the hot winds that sift sand over their lifeless bodies merely cause the leaves of the palm trees to flutter in the breeze because they have roots that reach down to unseen fountains below. And so it is in our modern city streets. The noontime heat of daily life, things like the pressures of making a living, Raising children in our culture and dealing with the materialism that surrounds us, these things cause some to wither and come to an end of themselves, while others nearby grow and prosper. What's the difference? They have roots which reach deep beneath the surface turmoil of everyday living to an unseen fountain below. That fountain is communion with the living God. Does that speak to you? Friend, I can tell you, no strategy you come up with in this life, no no number of times that you go see a pastor or a Christian counselor, no matter how many prayer requests you turn in and how many people you have praying for you, There's nothing in the entire world that will ever bring into your life the strength that you can get directly from God by meeting Him every day. Are you on board with that? I I don't want you just to say amen or yeah here. I want you to hear that. Okay? And perhaps that's a good thing for you to take inventory of. Last week, what strength did I draw from God? Did I ever meet Him to the point where I actually drew strength from Him and and that time with Him was life-giving and vibrant and I got up from that time with Him and and my soul was full? Or did I just go and read my Bible and sort of check it off the list and go, thank God my conscience can't bother me about that? Okay? Okay. There's a fountain of strength that you can only find in Christ. And so the author rightly says, as you're running around the, this, this track of life, runners will tell you there's a thing in the race called the bear. Any people that are in track in here, you know what I'm talking about. When the bear jumps on your back, And you're running, you're doing good, you're doing good. You can see the finish line, you think this is great, this is great, this is great. All of a sudden, the finish line is like somebody took one, whoop, and it's out there and it's tiny. And you think, man, and the harder you work, the slower your legs go and you feel like everyone is just going right on by you. And the coach says, man, the bear jumped on your back, didn't it? Yeah. When the bear jumps on your back, okay, the first place you have to go is to Jesus. Because you get the encouragement of Christ. And that's the biggest and best thing that that God has to offer you. Now, there's a second area of encouragement, and that's the encouragement of the crowd. Okay, He starts out the passage by saying, since we are surrounded with such a great crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, And there's a wonderful encouragement that's found in the crowd. That's one of the reasons why we gather together here this morning. We gather together this morning because this is a crowd and we find encouragement from one another. And if you look across the scope of our culture, we have recognized that when a cause is worthy, there's far more perseverance and success if you attempt that cause with at least another partner. That's why if you go to any form of recovery, if you go to AA, what's one of the first things they encourage you to do? Get a what? A sponsor. If you're going to go and you're going to work out down at the local fitness club, they're going to, they're going to encourage you to somehow get... a a workout buddy or a professional trainer, right? They would like you to get a professional trainer because, yeah, yeah, you know how that works, right? Yes, I'm a paid workout buddy, only I don't work out. You do, right? But the, but the point is, you're not doing it alone. Across the, the, the breadth of our culture, we recognize the advantage of the crowd, the encouragement of the crowd. Now, if you've been hanging around New Life very long, you know what the crowd is in this church. This is a great crowd, and we're all, we all love to be here. And, and in, there's some encouragement in this crowd, but life groups are where you get it in this church. In fact, here's the principle. Life groups are the best way in this church for you to actually experience the encouragement of the crowd. Many of you are in life groups, and it seems like each week people are coming up to me and saying, Pastor, I'm so glad that you've encouraged us to get into the life group. It's done so many wonderful things in our lives, and and rightfully so, because when you sit, whether it's here in this auditorium with a table of, of, of 10 people, or it's in somebody's home with 10 or 15 or 20 people, or we have a life group or two that's 30 or 40 people that uh, hopefully we... We, we can uh, make more life groups out of that. But when you sit in that setting and you get to know each other and you lock arms as you walk in this journey of life, when one of you is getting weak and beginning to stumble and, and the weariness is beginning to take over and you're starting to go down this path, the crowd, the, your life group, is the one who says, whoa, 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 time out. You don't want to go down that path. Let's get on this one. Let's come back to this one. This is the path that we have chosen to go on together. It's the encouragement of the crowd. I can tell you, friend, you were never made to walk this journey alone. God designed you to walk the journey of life in the company of other people who are going the same direction and with whom you can lock your arms and you can walk together. And once again, no matter how many prayer requests you turn in, no matter how many pastors you go talk to, nothing in your life can ever take the place of the encouragement of the crowd. God designed you to live in that setting. There's a third encouragement that we get. And this is the one that uh, sometimes, I think, is the hardest for us to keep in perspective. And that's the encouragement of the crown. I hate to admit it, but for most of my life, I, didn't, I never had to wear glasses, okay? As you can tell, I now wear them. There's a good reason why I wear them. I'm tired of fuzzy. <laughs> my arms simply weren't long enough anymore, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm going, <clears throat> and where's the light and all that kind of stuff, and I want you to think about this for a minute, because for me, glasses are a very, very important thing. They are what enables the world to come into focus so I can see it as it is. I want you to know that eternity is the lens through which you should view today. And if you ever separate today from eternity, I will guarantee you today will go out of focus and you will lose your perspective about today. That's the way I am. And so you know what God says as a baseline for all of us? In all that takes place in your life, remember eternity. Because if you get too wrapped up in all the stuff of this life, it becomes gigantic and monumental. And things that should not be that important to you become overly important to you. And things that should be greatly important to you become little molehills that seem unimportant to you. Why? Because you've forgotten about eternity. and Therefore, you're not doing a very good job of living today. When people forget eternity, it's easy to forget God. It's easy to forget that someday I will not be living on this earth and that everything that I've done in this life is a prelude to eternity and it sets eternity up for me. Friends, that's huge. It also helps me keep my problems in perspective. Have you ever had anyone say to you, one of the best ways to judge how upset to get over something is, will this make any difference in five years? You've all heard that before, right? And, and that's, a, that's a really good way to keep things in perspective. Can it give you a better way? Ask yourself this question. Will this make any difference in eternity? And if it won't, okay, then don't get too been out of shape about it. In fact, take a look at the passage of Scripture that we're going to read. The life that awaits us empowers us to persevere through the struggles ahead of us. And, and one of the things that I see I, as I work with Christians, I'm amazed at how many Christians, and not just Christians, but even people who haven't made that choice yet, I'm amazed at how many people in our culture rarely, if ever, think about life after death until when they go to a, a funeral or a memorial service. And all of a sudden, bang, it hits them. And for about an hour and a half, they think about it. And then they go out and do something that's like a sedative to their soul so they don't have to think about that again until they get in that, in that position the next time. Friends, God calls us to such a, such a more truthful way of living with such a better perspective. And if we could just understand the life that awaits us, it's what empowers us to go through the struggles that are ahead of us. So we close. I want to read you a passage. It's one of my very favorite ones. of the entire Bible. Take a look at it. How does it begin? We what? Never give up. Now how can we do that? Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed. How often? So how often should you meet with Christ? Yeah, you guys got that figured out. That's how your spirit gets renewed. So though our bodies are dying, are you up on that? Yeah, I think, wasn't it Bob Hope who said, what was it, um, after a hundred, you know, you don't worry about hurting because what doesn't hurt doesn't work anymore? Something like that. Yeah. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are what? Are you kidding, Paul? What do you mean our present troubles are small? Oh, they are small small in what sense in that they won't last very long you know where this guy died in prison think about that for a minute yeah he went on to say yet they produce for us a what that's the crown understand a glory that vastly outweighs them and will what last forever So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Why? If we put our eyes on the troubles we see now, we'll either get distracted, we'll get discouraged, and we'll probably end in defeat. We don't look at the troubles that that we're encountering now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Why? For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Now, you know how we began this morning. What was the song we sang just before I came out to talk? Let the peace of Christ reign in our hearts. I want us to pray a prayer. And it's on your programs. So it's going to be up on the screen here. And like all the other prayers in this series, I want you to read it through word for word. And if you mean it and you want to pray it, then we're going to pray it together to our wonderful Father who hears us. If you're not ready to pray it and you can't really pray it with meaning, then it's okay. Sit quietly and at least allow yourself to think about what it says and, 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 and pray that someday you'd be able to pray this prayer. So I'll be quiet and let you read it. Let's read Lord Jesus, weariness is an inescapable part of my life, and I confess that sometimes I have opted to carry it instead of bringing it to you. And when I have, it has caused me to become distracted from things that are really important, to get discouraged and even to become discouraging to those around me. And sometimes I've even failed to follow through on worthy tasks. I ask not only for your forgiveness, but also that you would reveal to me any areas of distraction, discouragement, or defeat that I'm not aware of. I will draw near to you daily so I can tap into your divine strength. I choose not to take the trip alone, but to intentionally lock arms with others on this journey of faith. And I will lift my eyes regularly to the life that awaits me in eternity. I look to you as the champion who initiates and perfects my faith. In your name I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.